You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode number 95. Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, theme parks, and since we live in Florida, the occasional story about a woman slapping her boyfriend with a taco. Yes. <laughs> My yes, name she is did. Jimmy, and I am joined by Greg. Slap me with a taco. Rob. I have pockets. And a little bit later, we will be joined by Moondragon. The 1980s Avenger. <laughs> this week mm -hmm. we are going to chat about and continue our summer throwback special episodes where we watch movies from the 80s. This week we've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the movie Crawl, and later in the episode we will talk the final countdown with Moondragon himself. It's the final countdown! Can you tell that I'm actually like emoting every time i do that i'm like there's there's fist pumps i'm swinging back from my yeah, chair you can probably hear it head banging is, here we're gonna uh, hear that a lot aren't we i am i've actually oh, yeah. hit that button so many times that i'm now growing feathered hair which is saying a lot for anyone who oh, knows just, me. wow yeah it's glorious after we get done with that we will come up with this week's top five list relating to our topic so guys as always this is a review show there's probably gonna be spoilers We'll try to avoid any major twists, but if we are talking about something that you haven't seen, read, or listened to yet, you might want to use your own discretion and come back later. Uh, the final countdown is going to be 40 years old <laughs> next year. <laughs> yes. However, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Crawl are still in theaters. Yes. Uh, news, guys. I, I got a quick one, so let me just cover that. Uh, Lost Go Boys Pilot. It has officially been ordered by the CW. Uh, there was a lot of talk about this. I'm pretty okay. sure we covered this on multiple occasions. I know we've talked a lot about the Lost Boys. Yeah, I want to say we have. Apparently there was something in the works. They didn't like the direction that it was going. I think it was they were doing something about like vampires over time, like different time periods, which would be cool, but that's already a comic called American Vampire, which you all should read. But Don't tell me what to well, do. Then don't, uh, don't enjoy yourself with a <laughs> lovely comic book about vampires over time. Uh... I'm going to tell you something later to do as well, or what not to do. Yeah, what Ooh. not to do. But um, they reworked it starting actually early July, so the July 2nd, and apparently the CW liked it and officially ordered the pilot to be made. Casting has not been announced yet, but of course, as it gets announced, we will cover it. I've got a little bit of movie news that I'm very excited about. A release date for the movie... The Lighthouse, uh, from Robert Eggers, director of The Witch, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, is going to be October 18th of this year. So I'm definitely going to be adding that one to our October reviews. Check out the trailer. It's finally up so you can see what the hype is for this one. While you're at it, nautical-themed horror legitimately freaks me out in a good way. It does, too. I love it. Um, deep ocean Yep. It's terrifying to me. Um, Lighthouses, big crashing so, waves, yeah. gray skies, like that type of stuff mm -hmm. puts me in such a great like horror vibe that I love it. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. Sweet. 
while you're checking that out or after you check it out, also check out the trailer for the movie Little Monsters starring Lupita Nyong'o. It's a horror comedy featuring zombies and an adorable cast of grade school children where Lupita Nyong'o, she's the teacher and she's trying to guide these children safely through a zombie outbreak uh, by saying that she's things such as she's she got into a jam fight instead of she's covered by blood, covered in blood. <laughs> she tells them not to try and taste it. Um, also saying that the zombies are the bad guys in a game of tag. So they're it. <laughs> and uh, it just looks really funny, really cute. So check that one out, too. Sweet. I do right. have a little bit of I do have a little bit of news uh, concerning uh, theme parks. Do it. I, we we recently had the opportunity to finally get on Hagrid's ride at Universal Studios, and I highly recommend it. it is a great roller coaster. Even though it does absolutely no loops or anything, there's a neat little a neat little surprise in the middle of the ride. I won't spoil it for you, but the overall it's a it's a fairly long coaster ride. And it is it is exhilarating. It's a great, great ride. Looking forward to vomiting next to that. Yeah. And well, I mean, if it doesn't do any loop to loops or anything like that, do you still have problems uh, with it? Greg? Anything. Even oh, any right. any drop whatsoever. So, we also had the opportunity today to go to Disney Springs. We had the opportunity to go to the NBA experience, which is going to be opening up here shortly at Disney Springs. And it's a it's an interesting little venue. It's like thirty five bucks, I think, for adults to get in. Uh, we had advanced screening passes, so we got to go in and play around and stuff. Um, but they do – they have, like, picture opportunities where you can take pictures with, like, replicas of, of the trophies. You can take a picture with a really badly formed Adam Silver, I guess, for getting drafted. Um, they also take you through a, a basic combine where they measure you and they see how high you can jump. And they measure your your wingspan. and, and they, Do you have to be in your underwear? No. No, you do not. Why would I pay $35? Exactly. But they also have like the basketball games upstairs and they have like dribbling tutorials and then they have like a slam dunk room where you can raise and lower the net to where you want it and then just slam the ball for like 30 seconds, you know, slam dunk. And then they have like two half courts where you go and you do like prescribed shots and see how well you do. And it's all about, you know, skill with basketball. But it's, you know, it's it's kind of fun. I I can't see if it gets super busy waiting in line like 30 to 45 minutes to get in to do one of these things. But, you know, for getting in, for getting in for free and having it not be super crowded, it really wasn't too bad. It was, it was fun. We had a good time. Well, that's good to know. I, I had some questions about that. Um, honest to God, I just thought it was a big restaurant. Yeah, oh, same. yeah. No, it's not a restaurant at all. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it. The surprise, Robbie. Actually, he sat down and started ordering chicken fingers. And they're like, "What are you doing, sir?" I'm like, "Well, I, I thought this was a table." And they're like, "No, these sir, are the stickers. What are you doing?" Please get off the floor. Yeah. So, oh, and did 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 either of you guys happen to catch the latest news on this on this weird ass mom who went on a rant on Facebook or something? Mm-mm. About I, I heard it, but I had had enough outrage for that particular day about um, millennials at Disney. Yeah, and I was like, this woman is going to be crazy and is going to end up getting famous for it. So I, I didn't click the link. Well, the the thing is, is everything that I've seen has her name redacted. So she's not getting any credit for it whatsoever. 
it's it's just it's it's hilarious because one she can't friggin spell two she can't form a complete sentence and three she capitalizes like she's yelling at like the wrong times yeah at least have the decency (laughs) if you're gonna put yourself out there for some sort of rant to use your full name right steve yes but the the rant just makes her seem like she's just bitter that she had a kid so (laughs) i'm like i'm like damn this lady's pissed off that she had a child (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened. Like my kid had a meltdown, so it's your fault. Exactly, and and she and she ends it by saying, "I hate women without children." <laughs> I'm like, "What? <laughs> that, that that wasn't even part of your rant. Just hate childless women with a burning passion." That's what she said. Did, did this happen in Florida? Uh, she says at Disney World. So yes. Okay, so would you say that's some weird shit in Florida? I think that might qualify as weird shit in Florida or stupid shit in Florida. Okay. Hit it, guys. Weird shit in Florida. Jimmy, where was my harmony? It's broken tonight. Oh, shit. Well, I, I got some. Go so, for it. Okay, so we're, we're going to do a little bit of... <laughs> wow. It's, it's on severe delay. It's not broken. It's just delayed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's here's something. Um, I'm going to ask a little question here. If you guys won the lottery, what's the first thing you would do? I know Rob would send a group of male strippers to come into my classroom and Jimmy's classroom, for that matter, to embarrass us. But uh, after that, what's I the first totally thing you would, would. do? Yeah, I know you would. I would uh, reserve the best cabana uh, on a in Tahiti, probably. But most people say the first thing they would do would be quit their job, right? Yeah. Well, that's because you guys and everyone else are really poor employees because – the people that would not quit their job when they win the lottery are uh, Louis Correa, Magdalia Cruz, and Dana LaFlame because they won the $20,000 lottery uh, in Deltona, I believe. Well, I guess they won it in oh, Orlando. 20, but they didn't – 20000 isn't enough to quit your job with. Just, just, just play mm-hmm. along with me here. For, for, oh, them, okay. for them, I'm guessing it is. Uh, so okay. not only they, – they won this lottery. They went to Orlando to pick up the money, and on the way back, they decided they were going to um, – sell three bags of narcotics that they had already planned on selling. So they were coming back from winning the $20,000 lottery, and they got arrested for selling three bags of narcotics, which tested positive for heroin and fentanyl. Oops. So, yes, their luck ran out almost immediately. Thank you, Florida. Yeah, well, the, and the funny thing is, is that $20,000 won't cover the bail for all three of them. That's probably true. We're going to start talking about some of our topics before our guest comes in, and... This week, the ninth, I believe, Quentin Tarantino movie came out that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and I'm so torn about this movie because I, while I do like some Quentin Tarantino movies, I do think that he is completely overrated. Okay, so this is why I'm going to tell you something to do and or not to do. You okay. don't see this movie. Okay. Really? Yeah. I, I, I'm guess, I know what we've had conversations about Quentin Tarantino and I'm, I'm torn on him in some cases too, but anyway, we'll, we'll, You'll, as I talk, you'll kind of understand. So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, it's basically a, let me get the official summary here, uh, directed by and written by Quentin Tarantino, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emile Hirsch, Timothy Oliphant, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, Damian Lewis, Al Pacino, and a bunch of other people. For the longest time, this was known as the the Tarantino Charles Manson film or the Tarantino Charles Manson picture because people really know what he was going to do with it. Uh, The official summary is a faded television actor and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969 Los Angeles. 
So here is the deal. Now, I was wondering how they were going to do this. We had heard that it runs alongside the Charles Manson murders, I think, Jimmy, right? Like, that's what we kind of had. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, these things were going on. The movie happens in the same. And I figured that somehow they would intertwine. Yeah, in the same general area. Okay. So here, here's what I would suggest for you guys. So you, one of the things you have to understand about Quentin Tarantino recently is that most of his movies recently have been fantasy films or fairy tales just set in a modern world. Um, so basically, yeah, like our alternative reality movies, which we're going to kind of talk about a little bit later too, uh, that really kind of rewrite history to allow people to have like that revenge fantasy on like, you know, what if I could burn Hitler alive with a blowtorch? Or mm-hmm. what if I could, you know, what if there was a bounty hunter that was a former slave that could get revenge on all the slave hunters like things bad people out there and the good people that didn't get a chance to take them out showing it in film to kind of be I don't know, cathartic in a way so that's basically what this movie is the fact that it's called once upon a time it's really throwing it out there that this is a fairy tale and as i was seeing this movie there's one thing that came to mind with as harsh as quentin tarantino's movies are they almost always have happy endings have you noticed that like you know, the one person you kind of cheered for yeah. in Pulp Fiction was Bruce Willis's character, and he survived. You didn't think he was going mm-hmm. to, but he did. You know, the uh, Django did okay. And, you know, like all of the, the main characters tend to survive and have good things happen to them despite going through a lot of crap. And people talk about, you know, Quentin Tarantino being harsh, but at the same time, because even, as I said, like a lot of the stuff ends with stuff. Now, this movie is very interesting in the fact that it kind of takes you through... Hollywood in the winter and summer of 1969. And there's a lot of history there that I've, one of the things that you listeners and you guys and everyone know that I do is I read a lot of biographies about celebrities and musicians from the past and Mm -hmm. movies and the Sunset Strip and all that stuff. There's a lot of research done on this movie. And you'll see something, you're like, oh my God, I remember that. Like just little things that like, like what are all these hippies doing in a dumpster? And it's like, oh, there was a whole group of hippies called the divers that would go do it. And like, they end up in the movie, that kind of thing. Uh, why are all these hippies in this Western village? Oh, that's because that's the Spawn Ranch where the the Manson family kind of lived. And just you know, little things like that without being explained. So if you guys don't know the history of that stuff out there, um, I'm going to suggest li- listening to a podcast before you see the movie because it will make the movie much better. Um, there's a podcast called You Must Remember This. And has anyone heard, have you guys heard of that? Uh, it's about, yeah, no, so you must remember it. this. It's a podcast about, starlets and stars of the 50s and 60s and all the crazy shit that they did you know your marilyn monroe's jane mansfield all that kind of stuff um but they did a side movie called you or a side podcast called you must remember manson and it is extraordinarily well researched and for rob who you don't like i know you don't like glorifying the serial killers the Mm -hmm. the first episode really just kind of gives a summary of what happened and the rest of it is kind of about the time period that it's happening in so it's really interesting because 1969, and this is, I'm, I'm purposefully avoiding the twists of the movie. So I'm, I'm talking less about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as a movie because I don't want to ruin, ruin it for anyone out there. And more about kind of the era that it takes place in. But 1969 was a weird year because everyone had kind of tuned out and turned up and whatever the phrase was. The hippie movement came about, the counterculture movement. But Hollywood didn't catch mm-hmm. up to that. So... We're used to thinking of old Hollywood as war films and westerns, right? That was kind of like what was big. Well, those movies kind of died hard in the late 60s because westerns were kind of seen, seen as you know square. And war films, all these kids were dying in Vietnam and they didn't want to be glorified in war films anymore. So, but that's what 
Hollywood was making and those movies were bombing. So a lot of these actors were kind of out of work if they didn't change things up. Um, in fact, uh, Easy Rider came out around then. Bonnie and Clyde and Midnight Cowboy were like the big movies of 1969. And Bonnie and Clyde was like the most violent film ever made at the time. Back to that. I haven't technically said yet in this episode, but we recorded in a different order. So whatever. You guys will understand eventually, listeners. Uh, so like all this counterculture stuff came out. And all of these original actors that thought they were going to have careers for a long time died off or they couldn't, they were playing bit parts. And that's where the, the, yeah. the Leonardo DiCaprio character fits in. He was on a Western TV show, kind of like a Bonanza type thing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he loses his job and now he's just like, he's doing okay, but he's just playing like villains on the villain of the week type movies and TV shows. Brad Pitt is his stuntman, mm-hmm. good friend slash personal assistant who kind of drives them around and, you know, they're while this guy is not able to find movies, Brad Pitt's character, uh, who I don't actually have the names of the characters right now, Cliff Bruce the Goose. Cliff Booth is Brad Pitt's character. Oh, and, and Rick Dalton is Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio can't really find gigs for Cliff Booth because there is a rumor that Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt's character, has has killed his own wife. And they, they kind of sort of show it, but they, they cut away. It's an interesting clip. It's, it's like on a yacht. He's They cut away as he's aiming a spear gun towards her kind of casually. And then, so you don't really know. Oh. So it's interesting because like it's a long movie. It's like two hours, 45 minutes. And you kind of don't know where it's going. It's interesting. And I love it. And I love seeing it. And like there is a sequence with Bruce Lee in that movie where the actor playing Bruce Lee. I was going to say that that intrigued me the most about it because it looks like the guy who plays Bruce Lee, at least from what looks I've seen in the trailers. Exactly like him. I know. And I was like, damn, that's a really good Bruce Lee. And and then the line that he gives him, I, I think, is absolutely hilarious. The it, my hands are lethal weapons. If I accidentally kill you, I go to jail. And he's like, if anybody accidentally kills anybody, they go to jail. It's called manslaughter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that sequence is one of the best in the movies. They. It's and when he came on screen, I actually was like, whoa, because like he looks like him and he's wearing like the sunglasses that uh-huh. you saw in some of the Bruce, um, Bruce Lee stuff. And, and it looked you know, like he did people. some of the mannerisms down as well. Oh, definitely. It's almost perfect. There's, you know, actors playing Steve McQueen, uh, the guy from Homeland, a uh, guy with red hair. Uh, I already said his name earlier. He He's playing Steve McQueen. Uh, Burt Reynolds is in there. You know, Sharon Tate, obviously. Um, Margot Robbie's a really good actress. She's attractive as all hell, but. She's also really good. She's also a really good actress, which is, which is crazy. Um, anyway, so you see a lot of these things you've talked that you've seen in the stuff They he did exhaustive research on this stuff. And basically what ends up happening is that since they were in Westerns at one point, while Leonardo DiCaprio is kind of out of the country filming like spaghetti Westerns in Italy, uh, Brad Pitt kind of happens upon a hippie girl, drives her back to Spawn Ranch and has filmed there in the past so he's looking at all these hippies and weirdos like what is going on here is the owner of the ranch george spawn who's in his 80s at the time is he okay or is he like dead and they just kind of took over so he kind of forces his way into the house and finds out that the guy's okay but is kind of not doing so great uh, it turned out he died like three years after the mansons got arrested or something and that's what kind of ties them together other than the fact that this other person the uh, leonardo dicaprio happens to have to live next to Sharon Tate on Cielo Drive, which of course is where the murders took place. It kind of sets up a lot. You really get a lot of great characters pieces with these people. And then the end starts happening and you get this feeling of dread. Like I know what happened here. I've seen the crime scene photos. I've read 
the first crime novel I read in high school in psychology class was Helper Skelter. So I know a lot about what happened here and it was weird seeing it in a different light. And of course, but of course it gets very uh, Quentin Tarantinoized at this point. And that's where the revenge fantasy comes in. We'll leave it at that. I won't do much more about that. Um, so it was a very well-made movie. And I will say the one thing I thought was really interesting was I was sitting there for two and a half hours wondering where the hell is this going? But enjoying every second of it because of the acting, because of the, the story, because mm-hmm. of seeing a lot of these things on the screen right. that I've read about and stuff like that. And it being revealed, like just little things like how much of a bunch of pussies the hippies really were. You know, they were starving. They were like, you know, Brad Pitt punches one of them and he just goes down on a sack and weeping and bleeding. Like, yeah. And then like, you know, how are these, how are these, how are these <laughs> little fuckers going to be able to kill some, kill a group of people? You know, just how much scumbags and like, I, I can't stand the, like the hippie. Hey man, you're tripping on my vibe. Like, fuck you. Like seeing Brad Pitt, like people, I did, I was not, I went to an afternoon showing, so it wasn't very packed, but like people cheered when this one dude got his ass beat. Greg, it's not your turn to rant. <sighs> Can I please rant about beating up a hippie? I've been in a punchy mood today. <laughs> so seeing this like movie kind of build up to this, this satisfying payoff uh, made me really like it at the end, but I think I would have liked it even more had I listened to that podcast I mentioned, the uh, um, You Must Remember This or You Must Remember Manson uh, thing. Check it out. Find it. It's definitely well-researched and well-done. I do really like the foreshadowing in this movie, which it doesn't slam you in the face with it. There's just a couple little foreshadowing things, like this little click sound that Brad Pitt will make when he feeds his dog, when he feeds his very large, very sweet, cute pit bull brandy. Uh-huh. That is awesome. If if you like stuff, the Quentin Tarantino movies like Django Unchained or Inglorious Bastards, then you'll most likely like this movie. If you like the history of Hollywood and you know a lot about it, you'll most likely like this movie. But if you don't like stuff uh, more character pieces where not a lot of stuff happens but you're just watching characters kind of go about their daily life and figuring out who they are as a result of it uh-huh. or that kind of hip quentin tarantino-esque script writing or banter back and forth then you might not like this movie you know your you guys out there know your opinions on quentin tarantino so make your decision on whether or not it's a movie based on that well i guess we'll move from one movie to another i had the opportunity to go see crawl this weekend and for those of you who aren't familiar with it it's a alligator horror movie basically and one the special effects weren't fantastic so that was one problem i had with it essentially what it is is a a father and daughter get somehow caught in a hurricane while the father is doing improvements on a house that he's got on the market for some reason during a uh, category four hurricane that's hitting whatever that, cause that made sense. Um, they're doing, he's doing repairs on a house. She comes to check on him because nobody can get him to answer his phone. She shows up, they get caught in the house during the hurricane. And guess what? There's like 50 alligators who are coming out because the, the place is flooded. Like the streets are like waist deep. And this is like in Northern Florida somewhere. And the the streets are like waist deep water and there's alligators everywhere and people are getting eaten and the special effects aren't that great. And then alligators do stuff that doesn't make sense based on what they've said in the movie. And I'm not even sure that what they said is accurate. The eye wall passes over them and they're like, oh, we're in the eye wall. And then like 30 seconds later, oh, the storm is back and they're outside in the middle of a hurricane and like they're not getting like blown around or blown away or 
you know, they're in waist deep water and these alligators are hunting them. And what is going on? So it, it was it was just it was just weird. A, a, there were some good jump scares and the ending is rather abrupt. I was like, wait, that's that's where we're going to end it. OK, I mean, that's that's pretty much par for them. I definitely wouldn't recommend going to see it in the theater. Uh, maybe sit at home and watch it with some popcorn to enjoy the jump scares, but it's not anything you have to go. See. It, it's just full of stuff that I'm like, I don't think that works that way. Hmm. Like she goes to get her phone and he's and, and her dad, her dad was attacked by an alligator and he's like, oh, remember, they're not in the water, so they can't hear you. Just stay out of their sight line. I'm like, does that is that really accurate? Can alligators not hear if they're not in the water? I mean, I know they probably hear better in the water because their hearing is attuned for it, but can they not hear at all? And then there's like other questionable stuff like alligators won't hunt you, but they definitely hunt down these these looters who are robbing this store that's across the street and then and then at some point they turn like into t-rexes because you know the rain stops and he's like don't move they can hear you and the alligator just kind of swims right past them like like you can't see him i'm like what is that and he's like so if if it's raining they can't hear us so they won't be able to hunt us let's just make a break across for the boat but you know all of the looters were definitely looters you like how i put the emphasis on the wrong syllable um all of the looters were definitely killed while it was raining and the alligators definitely hunted them down but they're like oh they can't see us or hear us you know because it's raining and it distracts them <laughs> like what and then at some point she she's a she's a college swimmer who's about to get kicked off the team for not being good enough but somehow she outswims like four alligators <laughs> really <laughs> and then does she get to put that on her resume and she she makes the team or something no no and in fact you don't even know what happens after the movie because it ends with them on the roof getting rescued you know they've both been bit to crap and somehow they both survive like like she gets bit on the shoulder and has no broken bones she gets he gets bit on the shoulder. He has no broken bones. He gets bit on the leg. His leg is broken. And this drove me absolutely insane. It's you're introduced to him and his leg is so broken that his shin is sticking out of the skin. His, his bone is sticking out and he's effing walking on it. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what is going on? So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very questionable movie and I certainly would not recommend going to see it. Guys, that brings us to our interview with the man, the machine, Moon Dragon. Welcome to the show. Hello. Yes, welcome. Good to so be here. very excited to finally get to talk to you here. We've spoke about you, I think, extensively here on the program and your music and i know we did an interview a couple shows back too did that ever we, make it or did it leave on the cutting room floor it was not so much left on the cutting room floor as we well i guess it was <laughs> we just never <laughs> had anywhere to put it oh i got um, so now that we have um, Oceana, which is your new album, out, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we may dig up some embarrassing audio that we found from that. Oh, yeah, you guys should do that. 
Just Cut kidding. I don't think there was any bit. <laughs> Aside from me almost getting backed over by a car. That's for parking lot interviews. That's uh you're you're <laughs> you're living dangerously. It's good though. So, yeah. Tell us about Moon Dragon. What's ah. your your story? Moon Dragon is uh, a music project mm-hmm. that uh, basically, in the short answer I give, is that it's basically the soundtrack in my head from when I used to play with Micro Machines. Nice. That's uh, <laughs> that's so when I you'd line up all your stuff and be playing, it's like in your head there was music playing as you were going in for the attack or the drive or something. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. Like <laughs> just translated. I learned to use music software and started grinding on it. But I, yeah, I went to, I'm a music school dropout that uh, moved over into the audio engineering side. And probably I want to say 2012, 2013 kind of stumbled across uh, Comtrues, Laserhawk, mm-hmm. guys like that. And uh, super, super impressed. Loved it amazed by it i was like what a cool idea i'd love to do something like that these guys are too good i'm not gonna bother kind of thing mm-hmm. and then two years ran by and i was like you know what like i had some ideas ideas i was working on i was like what if i just gave this and more of a retro sound and that was a couple months later i just like compiled enough tracks and released my first album in 2015 but yeah it's like uh, moon dragon's kind of a it's just a instrumental synth wave, but I really focus kind of on building a theme, picking something to go with, and uh, mostly usually around machines or anything mm-hmm. like built by man, man, machine. That was kind of the original premise because I, I like those combinings, whether it's cars, military equipment, anything like that. It's a, it, it interests me. So it, instrumental music is a good little vibe for that because they're kind of the the voice the 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 uh the lead vocal and the music's kind of a background well you just answered all of my questions (laughs) (laughs) that's a summary but yeah we can go deeper i don't it's 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 a a weird question because it's fun to like Mm-hmm. every one of these because really when you're making instrumental music it's like you really are just painting and a picture of something in your mind you know and you just hope that that's what's fun about instrumental music though is that's my idea but like if there's vocals to it you're kind of locked to the narrative it's a love song it's an angry song it's a, you know mm-hmm. what i mean but it's like i don't know like what i can think is a pulsing driving angry track somebody else could say oh yeah that's beautiful because it reminds me of blank so it's fun to make instrumental stuff Uh, that's why i kind of not confined to having to also i just i'm not a good singer that's really the truth of it so (laughs) (laughs) i can come up with an artsy explanation of why but yeah it's like it's it's much more profitable to be a singer and (laughs) write (laughs) vocal music how do you how do you pick a theme uh you know you've had uh grand prix obviously um the Formula One inspired, I would say, and with Oceana inspired by, I'm assuming Oceana Naval Air Station. Yep, it is. Yeah, like, uh, and that's a really. So, I a lot of it stems from I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, which is okay. a big naval air base. It's where like the Blue Angels are stationed mm-hmm. and things. Sure. Um, so it's grown up air base, Navy town, lots of flying. Um, so always loved airplanes, like it's the kind of thing where you hear them over your house and don't even think about it. And like 
growing up there. And then when you move away and you hear a jet, you're like, what is that? And it's so loud. <laughs> so I just yeah. got used to it growing up. So, but it was always, I think the, the music, uh, really, I mean, like I said, Laserhawk had that, uh, his first album, um, Redline did a oh, really cool was thing so with, good. yeah, with the uh, cars. And I was like, man, what a cool idea. And like all the, so that really like kind of sparked the interest, but I was like, what would mm-hmm. be, uh, something unique, you know? Cause that's, it is, it's like red Ferrari, palm trees, sunsets. It's like, yeah, that's super cool. Love all that. Love the outrun vibe, but what, how do you stand out? You know? Cause I was like, say two years late to the game with something like that. And then it really is. It's like, Oh, I really love fighter jets love all those things and that kind of started but it wasn't so much that that's where i get to pick kind of the album themes is like oh racing is very dangerous it's racing especially formula one is the closest we get to kind of like the military arms race it's them like finding their (laughs) it's just more for the drive of winning a race versus winning a war but it is kind of the same principles uh and that was kind of that's where finding things like that. Like I've had, I've got lined up ideas. I'd like to do something with NASA. I'd like to do something with like, I don't know, helicopters or even, uh, that's where I say Oceana was a funny one. Cause it was, I did an out. My second EP was Miramar, which is the air base in the movie top gun. And then Oceana I was like, you know what, let's do a kind of a East coast, but also the idea that that's more where the, the Navy seals are rumored slash known to be, is in Virginia. So that's like the base they fly out of. So I was like, Oh, that's a cool idea. So I, yeah. I basically just made some tracks and ideas passing and then saw that. And then it really was, I was watching the rock and that scene with, uh, Michael being bringing them all out and they're running to the helicopters. I was like, Oh yeah, it's one of the first teasers I made probably two years ago. Cause it took me a long time to finish that one. Just got busy. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, this is really cool. It's kind of a darker sound. But uh, it kind of, it really is more of a daytime, nighttime vibe on the new album of where it's like some tracks are really bright and bubbly and it's, they're training and woo, mm-hmm. and we're happy. And then others are the darker uh, sound of things get serious, but that's what all those kind of eighties action war movies did. You mm-hmm. know, it was, it's like, Oh yeah, we're, we're all buddies, right? Like, I mean, Predator is a great example. Like yeah. he introduces you to all the characters are joking. One of my favorites. Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Like, <laughs> like it builds it up and then things get dark really quick. And then they get uh, usually uh, sad and uh, reflective at the end. That's pretty much every Moondragon album. That, that by the way, would be a great name for a band or an album. Sexual yeah. Tyrannosaurus. I'm sure it's got to be out there. Spotify <laughs> could prove it. But if not, yeah, I'm definitely, that's a track name for sure. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that the Navy SEALs uh, do come out of Little Creek, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew off of, grew up off of Little Creek Road. Oh, then you uh, uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, Oceana, um, you talk about jet noise. And I always thought it was such a funny thing growing up near Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. near Oceana, near, you know, the Naval Station. Is that thunder? I believe so. Um, but having the jet noise and then people moving in from other parts of the country or, you know, just South or just North. How do you live with this? Well, they would complain about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the jet noise is encroaching on my, you know, property. And it it was not uncommon. You know, my (laughs) people to the military base, (laughs) (laughs) my people were the people who drove around with, I love jet noise bumper stickers. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
my father was an officer in the Navy. So, ah, so yeah. 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 This, this album really connects with me. Uh, you said, you know, this is the soundtrack to you playing with micro machines. This, this would be <laughs> the soundtrack to me, uh, digging forts in my front yard for my GI Joes. Yep. Yep. Um, everybody knows the coolest GI Joe was Beachhead and he was a seal. Um, if you disagree, you're wrong. Is Beachhead the one with the, uh, diver mask all the time? The ski mask. Ski mask all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was another one with the, the diver mask all the time. And and you yeah. are in fact wrong deep. because the, the coolest ones were Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. Yeah, well, I was always a Snake Eyes Be- guy. Beachhead was the original sergeant. Mask, but... I can't stand away for this long when G.I. Joe is being talked about. <laughs> <laughs> and as the deciding person here, Rob is correct. There you go. And it pains me to say that every time I say it. A little part of me dies inside whenever I say Rob is correct, but he is. <laughs> so we're a really adult podcast. Micro Machines, G.I. Joe's. That's where we that's where we're at. That's good. We are super adult here, Micro Machines, G.I. Joe's. We were fortunate enough to interview the uh product manager of Voice uh, Still one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. He was Mr. Uh, he was what? What was he? Emmett He was VP of marketing for GI Joe in the for 80s. For Boys Toys. How or Boys in the Toys. world did you find this man? Was he awesome. was on um what was the the show? Um uh, the toys that made us on Yeah. Oh, oh that, that, isn't that a Netflix thing? I haven't watched that yet, but I know. Yeah, yeah and I I saw his name and I looked him up and he was a he was a adjunct professor at like a university in New England, like Rhode Island or something. So I just reached out found his email address, contact him. He said, yeah, sure. Anytime. Nicest dude. That is fantastic. I need to listen it's, to that It's one. still one of my favorite episodes. There was so much in there that I didn't know about like GHO and everything. It was so great. Yeah. It'd be weird to be like, cause all our reference point is us at like younger ages, you know, just to be like a 30 to 40 year old engulfed in that world, like the marketing meetings and all. It's like, mm-hmm. that's such a crazy world that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. Ours is all oh, yeah, this... with nostalgia. That for him, that was work. And it was like, oh man, I remember when we got that big contract. And it's like, that's weird. Yeah. He really enjoyed talking about it. That's cool. So I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about your live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start performing live and how, how do you find evolving your live shows? to to work do you come back from a show and say man i should really add this or do you start with kind of your backdrop um so originally i think the first show i played was probably like february or march of 2015 um but at that time there wasn't really any synthwave acts touring or Mm -hmm. anything but i had played previously like in bands and had like some synth pop group stuff like back in 2008 2009 when i had like it's kind of younger age college student. So I'd done kind of the band thing and knew how to work with promoters and all that, but I didn't really know how this would slot in. And I'm not really, a, I wasn't into EDM or that, that world. That's it's more of mm-hmm. the band world. That's kind of where I came from. So I right. hit up some and the first show I actually played, I opened for, uh, it was a Johnny Craig show, which if you listen to kind of like Warped Tour bands, Johnny Craig's like a, dance gavin dance this band's like that he was a lead singer of those but he kind of had his own little solo r&b pop 
type album thing. Okay. That's like, like electronic backing and all this. And so I was like, you know, I like, he's a, I'm a fan of his. I'll try and see if they want somebody to open, but it was a really kind of an unknown at that point. I was like, you know, well, people just like, for me, it was like, try and play as much live as I can. Um, so have this, the sense on stage, but then I also, I was like, that's just going to be a really awkward show. Like house lights on me standing mm-hmm. behind keyboards. Like all this, I was like, I really don't want to even be the forefront of this. And that kind of got me thinking kind of the old thing, just like I talked about earlier of, of working on doing the live shows where or scoring a film live. That was kind of like, well, what if I did that? It's kind of like, I'm kind of blacked out. I'm on stage, but it's more that, a projector set up with a big screen or something with footage cut to the music. That's kind of the forefront. Uh, and I was, I hadn't seen anybody really do that. The only person who kind of gave me the idea was Tycho. Have you ever mm. listened to him? Love Tycho. Yeah. New Tycho, fantastic. That's what his, uh, yeah, that it's really good. And that's what like his live show back then was, was just kind of like huge projector, which uh, he was kind of touring and was able to kind of, be the headliner so he could do bigger screens than say an opening act like me could do and things like that. But it was like, I'm going to do this. I built a big frame out of PVC and got sheets and made like this big thing and ordered a projector offline and did all this and started working. I was like, this could be something let's find out. And it, it, it didn't, people didn't not like it, but it was kind of, it's a bit of an awkward act on like a show with, singers or full bands or all these and i made the mistake of uh it's like oh yeah this this to construct this screen as an opening act on a pvc pipe no matter how fast i could do it's not really fast enough and all (laughs) goofiness but it was uh it was enough that i was like this is cool this is something there um and then i i continued to expand it like my newest show it's kind of weird. It's kind of, I kind of hit a little bit of a cap because now I have a, a light bar with program lights and all programmed to the music that I've like sit down and synced and done and all these things. So it's really cool in a venue for say like 50 to a hundred people. But yeah, it's like at the Orpheum or so like the perturbator show uh, with ghosts that we just played, I don't know, a month or two ago in Tampa was <laughs> it's like at around 350, 400 people. And it's like, yeah, like it, it fills up the venue, but then like perturbator gets on. It's like, oh, that's a life sh- light show. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's a difference. Like it's 10, $12,000 worth of lights on stage for his. And it's like, that's where it's kind of this awkward thing. It's like, you kind of hit a cap of where it's like, I would love to keep expanding it, giant led screens and blah, blah, blah. But it is, mm-hmm. it's, it's really capped out to, to that end, but also, uh, musically it would probably branch out if I was going to keep at growing I would probably have like a live drummer and a few things like that so that's still in the works so we'll see like there's more and more acts are kind of touring and doing the uh the, the synth stuff but we'll ride it as long as we can who knows how till 90s comes back around and grunge is the new thing oh, no no <laughs> it's, 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 it's something's gonna happen don't it you is, know that yeah that would be glorious yeah. I have a closet full of flannels waiting for that moment. <laughs> you wear a closet full of flannels every day, my friend. Yeah, no even. But now that people even, look at me oddly. That is even like I am. No, they, they will. The, like my next uh, album is kind of funny. It's more like uh, it, I've already kind of had some ideas and I have two routes I can go. And one of them's kind of more of like a kind of a jokey type smaller EP idea that I have. That's kind of like a jock jams. <laughs> 
yeah exactly it's like just getting ahead of that because somebody's got to do it even if it's not moon dragon i don't know like it might be something but then the other end of that spectrum is doing kind of more of like a um video game soundtrack kind of gran turismo-esque so it's it's not exactly chiptune or anything but it's just Mm -hmm. they were going for a full live sound ps1 era they weren't you know what i mean it's like that kind of music with modern production uh, kind of racing stuff like that kind of going back to it uh, but i don't know yet i haven't uh not too many ideas down for that but it is like it, it's frustrating in the this it's all genres of all music metal everything there's all these like now it's getting so broken up that's actually pop synth post wave yeah. and stuff. it's like okay i don't the funny thing is it's not the artists that are driving that like we're all just kind of like good album man and that was the end of the discussion <laughs> Yeah, it's I I I face such a an issue trying to explain to people, you know, saying, "Oh, well this is, you know, kind of synthwave." I mean, I still say techno. It's all techno to me. It, it, you're not wrong if you ask me. <laughs> it's it's uh, um, I don't I'm not in the genre battle. In fact, it's funny cuz it a few years back it was synthwave was not like people were arguing, don't call it that. We don't want it to be that. Now I think even mm-hmm. acts and people are just, it's essentially it's just, just like, okay, it. go ahead. You know, if that's how you can relate it to people. Cause I can say techno to one of my 19 year old students and they'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's like, well, you guys say EDM, but I don't really like that term. I mean, I get it, but I'm just like, it's like, uh, 80s chase music in a way you know it's always kind of kind of hard to compartmentalize that i guess but well it's also the funny thing about like especially like that early genre like laser hawker the stuff i did if you call mm-hmm. it outrun like you said 80s chase music it's funny that there's that's not really like the real versions of that music in the 80s were like infomercials or bad like training videos and stuff you know it wasn't, it's yeah. like they weren't actually in the mainstream like oh yeah that on the radio i remember when instrumental like electronic music <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like outside of john Car- carpenter and vangelis it's like nobody was really tangerine dream they they did instrumentals and made the yeah. thing of it but it's like there's probably some amazing composers that just did like yeah i do uh i do late night infomercials and <laughs> Uh, dancing with tommy J. yeah it's like it's just a funny thing because <laughs> it's it wasn't ever a mainstream thing like people weren't lining up like hair bands and stuff were a much much more important sound on the on that front but that's that's what's funny and maybe that is that's what the idea it's like as a young person we were watching weird stuff and cartoons and all these things that had soundtracks that were behind the scenes but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the origins of it are. I just know that people love arguing about it. So you talked about Laserhawk. You talked about some of those other acts, some video games now. What other things inspire the music of Moondragon? So, I mean, those are kind of all the objects. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is film soundtracks and that cool putting uh, music to kind of a mood kind mm-hmm. of a situation really that's what it is i think it's more it's just situations it's like what right. would what's what's that soundtrack in our head when this is happening that we wish was playing like right kind of thing at the same like time how, i'm not I really wish, a... <laughs> i wish whenever i entered a room the professional played 
That would be cool. That would be, it'd be solid. And that's a, that's a funny thing to think about too. Cause it's like, I'm not a pilot or I'm not all these things. So when I say like, what music would play when I walk into Publix or yeah, like, there's not really that pull much off action. your glasses with your flight jacket, your, your slow-mo entrance. Yeah, it's, 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 I hear it. That's all I need. To, no, it doesn't matter what other people hear. I'm here for the sales. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's that's a, that really is. It's like putting a soundtrack to unique situations, and that's I think when going back to themes of it, it's cliche that it's life or death, but that's kind of the when the theme gets chosen because it's how do you hit that big wide swath of mm-hmm. emotion? It's like I usually always have kind of. Uh, a sympathetic sad, sad track like something bad happened or something sad or a triumphant track or I'd, I'd track. love a whole movie with moon dragon doing the score that's why i mean that's that's essentially what i wish i could do but yeah it's kind of hey hard even, to get in um, that world yeah it it blew my mind to find out that danny elfman was the lead singer and you know pretty much oingo boingo so it's a dead man's party. Oh God. I love Boingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, I mean, he's amazing. And that is, it. it is like, in fact, Hollywood's got like such a love affair with bands, like composers who actually were uh, famous for other musical things beforehand, like Hans Zimmer or Trent Reznor mm-hmm. and guys mm-hmm. like that. It's like every one of them, like, there are Hollywood actually is so transparent with it. Cause it's like the first time Elton John, uh, does soundtrack is circle of life, Lion King Academy Awards. It's the only Academy Award Hans Zimmer's actually won too. It was for Lion King, which is funny, but then there's also Phil Collins and Tarzan. Like that's his first thing. And then like, <laughs> yep, you get the Oscar Phil Collins. Like they just love when the musicians are Lady Gaga, yeah. you know, they love when and then they went the music and butchered world Lion gets, King. I haven't seen that. So you can listen to our previous episode. <laughs> rage, I had a rage, quit on Lion King rant from Rob last week that uh, pretty need, much. I just needed to stop that there as fast as possible. You're not actually like that's alone in that though. So exactly. yeah, yeah, I know that's, that's that's a thing. Yeah, sorry, I keep derailing, but it's fun. Yeah, I think about six weeks ago, you posted on Instagram that you had hit over a million streams. Yeah, that was surprising. What was that like? Did you wake up and you're just like, oh, shit? No, I think I want to say which act it was. Somebody I'm friends with had posted this thing, and like, I was like, how did he? How did they even see that view of the streams or something? Like, I don't know how that happens. Like, you can you can kind of see it in waves when artists, especially like kind of underground artists, are like Spotify may send stuff out, and you kind of see like, hey, thanks everybody for the streams because they finally are getting the the metrics of it. But yeah, it was a case Mm -hmm. where I finally realized, oh, the phone app doesn't have it read out like that. But if you do it on the computer. There it is. And it, at that point, I was like at 1.1 million streams or something. And I didn't know I was that high. I had that. I know I have one track that's like a lot of that's super inflated because of uh, I got fortunate enough to have a song on the Spotify's like official retro wave playlist. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that that accounts for 700, 800,000 of it. But <laughs> but I'll take it. Uh, that may but, have been where Greg and I found you. It ah, could be. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real, real cool company to be in on that one. And think like it's been two years or so now and they still haven't removed me. So I guess that's just 
like a historical document at this point of origins. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Um, but that it's unfortunate for musicians though. Like, I mean, that is kind of where a lot of like, there's even scams on the internet, like through SoundCloud. It's like, get you on Spotify official playlist. It's like, that's not true. Like they, they won't be able to mm-hmm. do that, but it, it really is just curated by employees of Spotify. So if you get it, it's awesome. If not, it's kind of like, be cool if you did. That's that's about all you can do. Because I like I they they do have a cool submission thing where you can be like, hey, I've got a song coming out. You give it to them early enough, and they'll see if they can get to it. Like they say that they hand listen to all the stuff that gets submitted. But I think I had Oceana the track off my new album on there to get reviewed or whatever. But yeah, then didn't get to it in time. Album came out, never heard anything. But it's like it's funny mm-hmm. to me because I'm like. You know, from a production technique wise, it's like that's a four year old track. This new stuff's a lot better than <laughs> Afterburner, but it's a, it's 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 the classics. They like it. So I feel like Laserhawk and guys like that would say the same thing. They're like, "Man, you're still playing that that old 2008 stuff, man." Yeah, but it's it's funny. But yeah, no, it was awesome to get it and like, I, I it. It's like one of those things. Music industry is a weird spot right now. You can't get mad at this awesome app that shares it out to tons of people who would never find it without the release radar. Mm -hmm. Spotify saying, here you go, try this. You might like it. But at the same time, yeah, streams and album sales, it's a battle. So love, hate. Like I don't mind because that's the thing. It's like I I use Spotify all the time. You can't get mad at it if you use it. You know. How many speeding tickets do you have? Me? I don't yeah. have. I, at most, I say two, but I mm. only know, I can only remember one. Man. I, you, I mostly got warnings. Uh, do you own a pair of driving gloves? I, I don't. <laughs> I actually wish I do. I've gotten in a rut where I've been like working on cars more than I drive them because I have like a project car and then my mm-hmm. daily car that I drive to work and stuff. But it's like, yeah, you get in the rut where I can't wait to drive this thing. <laughs> I just got to get it working right. And that day never, never really comes too quickly. So, so that's where I'm at. It's coming soon. I'll just keep lying to myself. It's getting there. We, uh, I want to get you a pair of, uh, we, if we only knew someone who did leather work. Um, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> might have to get Moondragon a pair of give me five <laughs> driving gloves. Yeah. I, would use, I would use them even if I just play video games in them or something. <laughs> just play. drive in the video games. Yeah, hey, I'm driving. I'll yeah. play some Formula One 2019. I'll play that and get in the zone. Sounds good. Auto no. zone. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Auto zone. Nice. Now, Mr. Dragon, before we move on to our review of the final countdown with you, and uh, before, of course, we tell the people where they can find your music, I'd like to do a little word association with you. Okay. Yep. That's, it sounds scary. That's the one thing from the notes. I was like, uh Oh, I can't. This really. is actually I... an intervention. Not really an interview. <laughs> we have your entire family here. Oh boy. Oh God. <laughs> here we go. Like they're, so... they're very concerned. You think you're living in 1987. So <laughs> we, they wanted everybody us to knows, talk to you. Everybody knows 84 was the best year in the eighties. I was born that year. So just give me the first thing that comes to mind when I say one of these words or combinations of words. Okay. All right. Ready? Ready? Yep. Formula One. Senna. Professional. Uh, Leon. <laughs> nice. Speed. 
Say Keanu. <laughs> <laughs> Banana. Banana. Ban- pajamas. God, his hammock came into mind. <laughs> oh. That's why I'm not asking you, oh, Greg. Machine. Machine. Uh, you know, it's funny if you said that, but then I think of Burt Kreischer as a comedian for some reason because his story right. about the Russian. Oh, yeah. They called him the machine. Second. Indian- oh, sorry. Go. Yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say it. Also, Robocop. That would be better. Nice. Indianapolis. Uh, cold Trickle. Oceana. Uh, that's, uh, Michael Bean. Miramar. Uh, it's, it's Motorcycle with Tom Cruise on it. Vinyl. Uh, Grand Prix. Tomahawk. <laughs> Tomahawk. A missile. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me in a lightning round word association. Yeah, that was a good one. Did you, get my cold, did you get my cold trickle reference? You know who that is? No. That's uh, that's Tom Cruise's character in Days of Thunder. Mm, nice. Which we have talked about reviewing. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. That soundtrack by Hans Zimmer is one of the best you'll like ever hear. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's also like before Hans Zimmer was kind of Hans Zimmer. I think before that he scored like Rain Man and then maybe a couple other movies. Wap- Waffner's at 11. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Plug what you got. Where can people find you? Ah, so you can find me on the best spot. So every musician fights with this. The best spot is to go to Bandcamp. So moondragon.bandcamp.com and buy the album. Don't download it. Download it if you want to. That's fine. Immediately pay the money, but then go to Spotify and just stream it as much as you can. <laughs> so that's that's the sequence. I think Bandcamp's more like a if I was busking and playing music on the side of the road. It's like mm-hmm. kind of tossing a few dollars in the old keyboard case. But then, yeah, streaming is the no, best I'm, way I'm to I'm actually happy it, that you finally the, did that because I've asked a bunch of musicians we've had here and I've, at concerts, like, what's the best way to support you guys? And no one ever says it like, oh, mm-hmm. just listen to our music. Like people are, tend to be a little nervous about the money side. So I'm happy that you're actually like, look, buy no. the album and stream it. Because I always, always ask like, who pays you the best residuals? Or is it better to buy the album from you at the yeah, show? Yeah, no, I think kind of technically thing. Apple Music, it's like, I, I, I think Apple Music is the best payout technically. But at, at the same time, it's like the metrics of your friends list, seeing what you're listening to, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? It's like payout can be kind of, offset by the fact of like users using it so it's like youtube it's like youtube's probably one of the worst payouts but if you got a million subscribers it's not too bad kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah no it's fine like and that's the thing it's like I, i'm just telling people what i do if i like an artist i usually buy it on Bandcamp, and then i'll actually stream it it's like i'm not gonna download the mp3 necessarily and rip a disc and put it in the (laughs) it's like 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 you can that's awesome if you want to my wife likes to do it that way she loves cds but it's uh, it's not it's not my move but yeah no it's awesome check it out and then follow me on facebook twitter instagram all that stuff helps yeah he's got a really great instagram feed yeah buy this man's music follow him Guys, are we ready? We are, are we ready for? I think we are. That's going to happen a lot. I I apologize. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that song, 
actually came out six years after the movie was You know, you really just sparked, that's the exact question I had in my head. Like, was that what they were writing? Actually, well, according Mm -hmm. to the IMDb trivia, they were. They said that it was influenced by it. I have to go back and look through the lyrics, which I don't remember being very deep. No, it's aliens. Something like that, but, you know. Either way. (laughs) Yeah, a lot. I of found it like interesting that. that a Swedish band named Space Europe Travel was writing aliens. about Cherokee Indians in their album, but doesn't matter. I thought it was cool at the time. We hmm. have recently been doing summer movies or '80s movies, depending on either movies that came out in the summer or whatever. But since we had Moon Dragon or Troy on as a guest, we have we let him pick the movie for this week, and he picked the Final Countdown. Which you're welcome. I'm gonna explain this in a second, but I I thought this movie was a fever dream that I had when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does strike me as something that was on the TV in a background somewhere, and you're like, yes. I swear I watched it. That's true. Or I that or like you hear kids play, like one day playing with their G.I. Joe stuff or whatever on a playground and talking about the movie, and you're like, that sounds like cool but you like never actually saw the movie so i as soon as you mentioned it and i was like i've never heard of that and then jimmy explained what it was i was like holy shit that was a real thing like i (laughs) i beat up that little jeffrey kid on the playground i thought he was lying to me but apparently it was a real movie yeah wow it's real. Beating up Jeffrey was also a fever dream that you had after. No, I, it was like two weeks ago. Slide. I did it. I was so much older and bigger than him. He was like, <laughs> he was like seven. <laughs> I mean, it was, really wasn't hard. Yeah, he was he like going it. to Disney and trying to have a pretzel. It was disgusting. <laughs> okay. Uh... So the final countdown is a 1980 Navy recruitment video starring Kirk Douglas, <laughs> Martin Sheen, and Soon Tech O, who was the voice of Faju from Mulan. And he also appeared in three episodes of Airwolf as three different characters. Wow. Isn't that something? We go deep on our research here. Our research department is insane. Now, let me... So, tell you something uh, that I also found very interesting about this movie. Lloyd Kaufman of Troma was credited as unit production manager and assistant producer on the movie. Things did not go well on the film for him, and he arrived to the conclusion that he did not fit the traditional Hollywood Hollywood mold. Uh, going on to found Troma Films. Oh. And he also stood me and my friend Eddie up at a Best Buy, which I'm still really salty about. What about this film, Troy, made you uh, want to talk about it this evening? I think it's just such a weird one because, like, it came out in 1980. Mm-hmm. So when you really think it's like the time travel it like it it even and like asks questions and talks a lot more in depth on paradoxes and stuff than say like even back to the future did like it certainly it's does like, it's a pretty it's a weird yeah. highbrow concept that is in guise of just pure military recruitment like you can tell they're just on the carrier with a bunch of like navy <laughs> And that and that guy that was explaining like, it totally got in an of, argument and was like, if I go back in time and meet my grandfather and then kill my grandfather because we got in an argument, I'm like, Jesus, dude, what? 
Yeah, no, it's dark. And then there's like, like 48 real military personnel that, that were actually in this movie. Yeah, no, and there's no way they weren't like, cause you can look at them and you're like, that's not an actor. Like they're just awkwardly like Kirk Douglas is telling them something to do. They're like, yes, sir. And they run. <laughs> so, it's a weird one. But then also like, I'm wondering if they did that. A lot of those like deeper conversations because it was in the script or because they didn't have the budget to do more action packed, like fight sequences and stuff. Well, that's what my, like, my wife, literally, I watched it. Like after we talked about this, I was like, she walked, she's like, this looks like you're watching the most boring movie in the world. Like, cause they're literally be in a scene where they're sitting together. There's no music. There's no change of camp. Like it is a weird, like kind of period piece in that sense. And that's where, I mean, the, the flying scenes and stuff. That's why I use that footage a lot in my live show. And it is crazy, like, uh, how impressive it is for the time and all these things. But it is just so funny because it's like there's no music in any of those scenes. Like, mm -hmm. the only scene is when they're fighting against the Zero planes, mm -hmm. like, doing... Uh, and I was like, man, that, that's that's what Top Gun had above it. It's like it's like Top Gun just... But don't, 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 don't. <laughs> like, that, like, he... he that's... Uh, Tony Scott knew. That's This is what makes this change the world it's like final countdown was just like what is happening right now <laughs> it's the the mtv influence yeah they no put they, the, they music first, the, put the music first put it out there but it was it is funny because you're just watching like interesting things like you can tell like when they like they have that one plane for no reason like oh the pilot's sick so we're gonna do like a flying into the net and catch it and like all these weird like emergency procedures and saving the people it's like it, you're just literally watching like a training trial run of those like the the, the navy <laughs> yeah actually that clip that you mentioned it was like an a7 corsair apparently mm -hmm. um it getting getting caught in a barricade that like actually happened so, so like they, some of the footage they was from other things like the zeros and stuff like that were was from torah 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 apparently and then some of the footage was actual pilots flying for the movie and some of it was just like I want to say clip art, but that's not really the word. Um, you just B-roll. But the yeah, A7 no, cores are actually... That's, I'm sure that's what they did. They just put a film crew on on the carrier for a few days and see what they could capture. Yeah. So, so it actually happened. So they, they decided to use it and put it in the film. It's kind of interesting. Well, just like uh, when they come through the little time portal and he just basically says all, all cabin quarters or whatever the, the terminology is and it just shows them all... General following. quarters. General quarters, yeah. It's like... like that that just seems like they did an exercise. It's like what was the? <laughs> it's like let's just film everybody in the ship running to get to their stations. Like let's do it. Is, let's... is that whistle a real thing? Because I like I never seen the. Movie it was before, weird, so right? No. Yeah, like whistling into a PA system to be louder. Yeah, it's a weird like thing. but I knew the sound. I knew the tones for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it was just it's. You feel like you're in the navy after watching that movie. I tell you what. That is, yeah, that the whistle is still used uh, during muster um, and used to call other things, having, you know, grown up in the Navy. You know, yeah, there you go. Yeah, grown up in a, a Navy family. Your dad yeah, woke you up for school with a whistle. <laughs> oh, I guess because there's people out there that might not have seen this movie because we kind of jump right into talking about little parts yeah, of it. So what's this movie actually yeah, about? Uh, real quick oh, yeah, summary. Okay, I, so yeah, you go, you go, you go. Oh, okay. Um, basically, there is a aircraft carrier in the Pacific. Uh, it's running some tests or doing some things. It ends up going through a portal, and it ends up going back in time and ending up 
again in the Pacific right before Pearl Harbor is about to happen. So now we've got a modern 1980s nuclear-powered aircraft carrier that is stronger than anything in the Japanese fleet. And there's you could either go revenge fantasy and destroy them all or not mess with the timeline and do nothing and talk about it a lot. Or try to destroy them all and then change yeah. your mind. <laughs> so there's a lot, a lot of options, and that's pretty much what the movie is about. Um, also mixed in with this is, of course, the random civilian that is on the on board, and then the um, the people from the past. For them, it's their present, I guess. They were on a, a pleasure yacht that got shot up by by two Japanese zeros. You said they were. And yep. uh, get rescued onto this aircraft carrier as well. One of which is a pretty sleazy politician uh, who is very out front about uh, that's a... sexually harassment being uh, his assistant. <laughs> that's the creepiest shot of him and that guy, like on yeah, the boat. on the back of the boat. Like he's like, you sleep with yeah. her? You sleep with her yet? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, oh yeah. He he looks like the kid from Deliverance yeah. grown up. <laughs> like just. <laughs> guzzy and you know why don't you have another drink instead of being fixated on what i don't know why we gave him a country accent but you know have another drink and stop thinking about what other people are getting i th- i think that's because that was that yeah. actor i don't think i've ever seen that actor in anything <laughs> other than a southern accent and then like <laughs> he slides up slides next to Catherine ross yeah, and, the, and the girl's actually okay with the fact that he uh is sort of sexually harassing her because well she's he's more interested in politics than sex anyway actually what i got from that conversation was that she's okay with him telling people that he's sexually harassing her because he's not actually doing it because they have a whole conversation about it and she's like oh you know did you tell him you slept with me and he's like oh well you know blah 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 and i wish i was yeah, and he's like, I don't know, I don't know why I put up with you. And she's like, because I'm the best, you know, whatever. And it, it, basically, I got that that he was just putting on an act that he was that he was uh, harassing her, and she knew that he was doing it, and that's why. And he, and I'm guessing he wasn't doing it, which was yeah. why she was okay continuing to work for him, because again, she was one of those strong yes. female characters. Yeah, I'm curious if that like was that really a senator that. Went that one was yeah. That before? one was fake. No, the there was another that's one all made up for the movie. Real, okay, yeah. But that that one was a that one. Was uh, okay, I was about to say. I was like, man, that's some like Assassin's Creed level of <laughs> research or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense that he wasn't a real character because it's like it's kind of weird if you're related to that guy. I did. I did like all of the conversation about time travel, despite the lack of action that resulted from it. But I did think it was kind of, it was kind of interesting yeah. and it, it almost made me wonder like what the, what the producers and directors had in mind, if this actually was a huge hit, like if they were going to kind of keep going. It does mm-hmm. strike me as like in the writer, like, like they changed the story once they started, once building, they started, it feels like figuring out how much everything was going to cost. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was like, oh, what if we just did? Because I think my favorite scene in the movie has to be the time travel mm-hmm. stuff where they're all holding their ears and it's ah, like I do yeah. like that. I like the idea of time travel being just like this going into that big vortex thing, like yeah, as it's not, happening. Like, not a I wish, pleasant thing. I wish more people, more things would do that. Like um, but, interesting note about that scene. The um, did you guys notice at the beginning of the film? It said special visual effects done by Maurice Binder. One person. Yeah. Wow. One person. You know what Maurice Binder is famous for? Invented the Trapper Keeper? Nope. <laughs> Anybody else? You're not going to get it. Maurice Binder was the man that created the iconic gun barrel sequence from James Bond. Oh. Oh, so he's like a, he's a clever film, real like film. Yeah, so Special they effects guy. called him in to create that scene. And uh, I, I believe I read that he did the best he could because at the time that that was created, the movie was running out of money i could see so, that from the yeah, yeah, just an, an interesting tidbit there yeah budgeting meeting must have been really right. interesting we're gonna have two tom like pets take off and take expensive. down take down this japanese battleship and how much money do we have left 15 dollars. okay let's just talk about Triumph tablets some more and get another couple shots of that <laughs> yeah. dog Spe- uh, speaking of of the dog uh, did you notice the dog had that lovely titanic moment where it, yeah, where it got up on the oh, table. Yeah. It was up on the table floating around and everyone else ended up in the water on the on the yacht crash. Yeah. <laughs> like the dog is an asshole just like Rose. And the yeah, commanding that was definitely officer. Some good forethought. They're like, can we get something for the dog to jump on while they're in the water? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll build something. We'll build like a little boat for it. That's fine. The CEO of the ship jumped off to save the dog. I think the funniest thing about this movie, I was as I was watching it though, is thinking like, there's no way if this movie's made today that it's not a crazy CGI big battle stopping Pearl Harbor from happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, that's that's usually what we ask with these '80s movies. Um, well, let, let's. Does anyone else have anything else that they want to talk about with the Final Countdown? Then we'll pose the question I've been asking. I- I would I would like to point out that they were super quick for for being military guys in the 80s. They were super quick and willing to accept the whole idea of time travel. Oh, yeah, we must have gone back in time. Wait, what? What? Which made the the fact that they immediately thought they were all of a sudden at war with Russia and Japan and everyone else again. When they just kind of like they blacked out and they came to and they're like, oh, we're at war again. Like that that was was actually slightly more realistic than them believing time travel right away. Yeah. Okay, I didn't expect this, but that's continue. Let's yeah. do it. I mean, they had, <laughs> we had Cold War propaganda back then, so actually it kind of fits in. Um, well, no, they start out the whole movie with a, oh, you know what that Russian ship's doing there? Yeah. Like, da, 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 like it's just. Not a lot of fishing. <laughs> uh, so, first of all, uh, Tubi is how I watched this movie. Uh, so you, if you guys out there are listening to this and you're like, man, I really want to see a very strange time travel war propaganda film from 1980, you can get it on Tubi uh, for free and probably other places as well. The, what we've been asking here after we've we did this. So earlier, I don't know if you've heard, Troy, we did uh, Legend of Billie Jean, Sleepaway Camp and uh, Beastmaster and Beastmaster. And then we, we kind of ask the, the question, since everything is a remake these days. 
should they remake this movie and update it now that they have the technology to do so? So before I answer that, how how's Beastmaster hold up? <laughs> I thought it kicked ass. Jamie thought it kicked ass. I thought it was exactly what it was. He did a jumping roundhouse kick to a dude dressed <laughs> like he was from Mad Max into a fire pit. Like I haven't seen it since I was at least eleven or twelve, so that's why I'm asking. I'm just—it's amazing. I loved it. I loved it as a kid. So yeah, you should watch it again. It is on YouTube for free. Okay, for free on YouTube. Okay, you should watch it again. It's definitely worth the watch. It's—it was fun. We had a good time. So should final countdown be remade? Oh, what were you gonna say? Go go. And and it's also that if you watch it on YouTube, there like if you were me and watched it on cable television when you were a kid, you probably didn't realize how much nudity was actually in the movie. Oh, it's like a Conan the Barbarian situation. <laughs> I was like, oh it's my like, god, oh, yeah, okay. A lot of Mark Singer not wearing clothes. Well, yeah, but anyway, uh, so should this movie be remade and updated? He actually does most of the fighting with his little singer. <laughs> you know, had I not. I, my gut is no, no, they should not remake this movie. But I tell you what, like I was saying that they shouldn't remake make a Top Gun sequel either. And then that trailer came out. Looks really good. And uh, I'm I'm in. So you know what they could. <laughs> I don't. I think they need to. I think I like the premise more than like maybe a like a sequel even. I don't know what they would do, but yeah, you know what I mean. Like just modern day something going to a different time to stop an event, which is essentially, I guess, Terminator ripped this off. Is that what <laughs> it's like? Create. Yeah. Yeah. Create the, uh, uh, judgment day. Just, it's like Pearl Harbor was the event instead, but yeah. So it is kind of an interesting idea. I don't know what it would be, but it'd be, it could be something. Mm. I, but like I say, I don't think we could say they remake it, but I think what Hollywood does is make that into a really goofy movie of watching like, the actual advanced war, like defeating the Japanese pretty handedly. Mm-hmm. That it's like, what do you, what do you do? You drop nuclear weapons on them too? What are we, what's the end game here? Final countdown? I don't get what you're trying to do. So, so you don't think? I, I'm on the They fence. should remake. It's the final countdown! Okay. Oh, God. I'll, I'll say if Europe scores it. Okay. Then they should remake it. What what if they asked you to score? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I I would do it, but it, it needs to be uh it needs to be uh it, it needs to be a Chinese warship. Okay. It, all China, it's Chinese film industry. <laughs> okay. And I, and they're and they're talking about like and the, and they're just showing like the US as a invading force or something and be like oh, oh man like basically a chinese propaganda film I got it because <laughs> they they gotta have yeah, that. Like, go you know that's the thing <laughs> like let's go like I, yeah exactly i just want to know what that what that looks like because it is so funny if you go to like a like watch any airplane video the russians are always the funniest about this because they like have the su-27 and stuff and if you go to like youtube like fighter jet russian like aerial shows like uh air shows or something and the comments are all just like russia rules american planes suck (laughs) like they're just like we are it's so funny but i would just like to see what like a chinese film industry could come up with they got a a serious army over there what what are they scared of you know in film i'd like to see that or i'd like to see their version of maverick 
you know like what's the chinese <laughs> maverick and ice man like that would be i would like to we see got that. something here yeah i think so like I, there's, there's, yeah. there's there's some money to be well, made over there should there's they remake the i'm gonna stop eventually Um, I, I, if they did, I think it would need a serious rewrite. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they could probably get better special effects, but I mean, the story was a little weak. I think they would just use the name Final Countdown. Yeah, That's about it. it. Probably. I mean, I think it would require a serious rewrite. Okay, Jimmy, I won't, I won't hit the button again. I'd say do it. He's gonna stab me to death in my sleep. Uh, (laughs) I thought better of you. Whenever I see you at work again, God, it's like a long time. All right. Well, if something happens to your car, then it's definitely not me. Um, Why not? I mean, we're talking about remaking Masters of the Universe. Um, oh, that's, God. that's been greenlit. I believe, oh, that's for the, the thing? Most part. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Boy. It, it's still like, it, it still may or may not, but it's, the script's been written. It's been greenlit. So, you know, unless they're just unable to acquire any funding whatsoever. Then yeah, it's uh, starring, you know, uh, Michael Sarah as Prince Adam and Terry Crews as He-Man, which is interesting. Are you serious? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I, mean, I would totally see it, though. It's so funny. Like, I just pictured oh Terry Crews with that wing on, and <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, uh, uh, watch uh, that. Orange bowl cut on yes. Terry Crews. And the uh, pink velvet or purple velvet vest. <laughs> Terry loves Grayskull. <laughs> you know, if if they're going to start doing it, just don't don't try and make it a serious movie. You know, make it kind of in the style that how – Kung Fury was a kind of a nod to that era. Just make it super cheesy. Make everybody have feathered hair. You know, don't have restrictions for the sailors. Just have them dress however they want. Pink boas and long feathered hair and sunglasses. Why not? Well, I'm on the aliens and sea monsters in there. Sure. Yeah, they already had Battleship. It was terrible. Uh, I am on the the full on do it boat. I want Christopher Nolan. To take to take this under his full on. Oh wow! Like like a Dunkirk final countdown. Just a little bit of Dunkirk, maybe you know some some memento kind of mixed in. Just the the really stylistic. um, For some reason, the opening of of it's not a boat thing, but the opening of uh, Dark Knight, the the bank heist, like really kind of sharp and snappy, and I think it could really work. The only problem is the overpowered type thing. So if they ever did it, they would have to have two opposing. Maybe they were doing a. Maybe they're doing some sort of training simulation with the Japanese Navy and the American Navy. While we're allies, we end up going back in time. And the conflict is that the Japanese Navy has to decide whether to stick with the Americans or defend their own people. Back Because mm. maybe like some of their relatives could be there. You know, like the whole grandfather thing. So I think it could be a pretty good story. And I think it would look great. That's pretty high. That's pretty high brow. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good. But this theme song... I had to do it one last time because I'm not going to have the opportunity to do it again. I do like the idea of your your version of the film and it's like it ends with the hero dying and his family's there and they've saved the day at all. And then like the credits roll, it's the sad summer and then that just comes on for the credits. <laughs> <laughs> the band Europe kicks open one of the doors of the battleship and steps out onto the deck. I do like that. That was yeah. a, I'm in. I'm in on that.
our very last thing we have to do with you, and then you get to go wherever Moon Dragons go at okay. 10 o'clock at night on Wednesday. We have our Give Me Five question. Okay. Uh, this is a top five list that we ask a question. You answer the question, five being uh, five to one, one being the best particular answer. Uh, people that listen to the show are well aware of what we do here. And Jimmy, you picked the question, so go ahead and ask the question. I did. The question this week related to our topic is, what are your top five movies from the 80s that were centered around the military or military operations? So, I'm, I'm not going to do a tie. Okay. So I will, I will do, I will respect, respect the top five. So I'm going to have to say Top Gun is my favorite military movie. Mostly because with the, the, especially putting the marks on the, the asterisks on military is it is 100% a military film. Like nothing in a really conflict wise isn't based around military mm-hmm. things. So for number two, I go Predator. Mm. And that's why I say Predator is Predator's got the hint. Predator's more of a, a team movie. There's yeah, military there's a... hinting at it, but mm-hmm. it is like it's it's a camaraderie movie, and uh, and then turns into a horror flick at the end, essentially, which is awesome. So I love 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 those two movies. Like I say, technically they're probably a tie, but in this instance, in my heart they're a tie. In this instance, we'll put Top Gun one, Predator two, then. Three, I'm just going to – this was the hardest spot for me, but I think I'm going to just say Delta Force mm, for nice. some solid Chuck Norris action. Like that – it – like Top Gun and Predator to me hold up as actual cinema film. You know what I mean? They're like – those are movies. Delta Force is like – that's an 80s action movie. <laughs> so, that's about what it is. Now, four is a little more controversial. But uh, I, I, it popped up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I got to do it." And uh, it's aliens, ah. mm-hmm. because I, I mean, that's space how, marines. Yeah. How many how many movies with soldiers in it do you actually know the characters' names? And it's like, yeah, people know Hicks, they know Bishop. You know what I mean? Game like, over, you know, man. Yeah, Game it's over. A, yeah, it's quoted. You know, it's it's like that's a, it. There, it shows, and and then you hear about James Cameron. He made them all do basic training together and eat together and act like they were in the military. And it's like, Oh yeah, that, that's the, the badass chick. Uh, uh, she has a Hispanic Chavez. name, but she's actually like, a, yeah. Yeah. But she's actually like a Jewish. New yeah. She's the, the she's John Connor's, uh, foster mom and Terminator too. Yes. <laughs> she yep. looks completely different. When the dies, doesn't she get like a bottle of milk, like a spike through a bottle of milk or something? Yeah. Something no, that was the dad, that? I think. Yeah. T1000. The dad, yeah. She's the, she's doing the fake voice. She's T1000. She's killing yes. the, her yes, husband. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good one. But yeah, so that's that. And then the last one, a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to go with Red Dawn because it was basically every amazing everyone's fear of what would really happen in those fights. It wasn't so much about what's a cool straight up military versus military. It was what happens when the Russians take over. It's actually a pretty mm-hmm. entertaining movie. Small <laughs> That is not a wild card, sir. Patrick Swayze is just so sincere yeah. in that movie. I think mm-hmm. he cries like three that or four times. That is my Citizen Kane. <laughs> is it? Thank you very much. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, those are my top. I was going to say like honorable mentions, uh, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, but they're just so heavy. 
They're not that fun to watch, you know what I mean? Well, Jimmy, you're next. Starting where Troy left off, I'm going to start with the number five movie on my list is Platoon. Okay, there you go. It's a good one. <laughs> not heavy at all. Not heavy at all. My number four, another very light, whimsical movie, is Born on the Fourth of July. Practically slapstick. <laughs> I'm always, it's either that or Airplane that is the funniest movie of all time. Yeah, number three is Full Metal Jacket. Feel good movie of 1986. Or seven. That's not true. Yeah. Uh, Number two, Red Dawn. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Absolutely amazing. I can't get enough of that. Sometimes when I'm at, you know, we work at a school. So um, sometimes I look out the window and I see. If you saw paratroopers. I see parachutes on the ground and I'm like. You know, we work right next to uh, the Orange County, you know, emergency center, the the, the brain, the uh, yeah. you know, base of operations there. So, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, occasionally you you look out the window, or you're you're walking to your car, and you see dudes gearing up for a, a raid. You know, full on tactical gear, or you'll occasionally have an, a helicopter land or in their horse. parking lot. Occasionally, a so horse. yeah. Um, so that can get very real sometimes. Um, number one is going to be predator. I, I missed that. I, uh, forgot aliens. That's if depending on what day you ask me, that's like my favorite movie. So, um, you, you, you missed the last couple of shows, but the shows that you've been to, I usually play a Terminator cover, right? You heard that? Ooh. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Oh, so, yeah. So I usually do a cover of the Terminator theme, but the past three shows, I've got a Predator cover that I do the theme. <gasps> <that>. Nice. <laughs> so, okay, we're, we're so, going to the show. Yeah, it's, a, it's so funny you mentioned that because, uh, yeah, same wavelength. I caught you do a Mortal Kombat cover. One oh, time. yeah, that was only a one-time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I do, amazing. Uh, I do, uh, yeah, but, yeah, I usually do a Terminator 2 theme. With those visuals like playing in the background, like Arnold lowering into the the fire, but then uh, I yeah. do uh yeah this one I do Predator and it's kind of like a mini little two minute shows the full movie. <laughs> kind of can't wait. Yeah, it's good. I- I'm going now. I'm going next. Do it. Uh, my number five is I'm I went a little highbrow. I went German. Das Boot. Okay. It was a military movie from the 80s. It was not 80s ridiculous, but that movie was claustrophobic, and, and it was one of the earlier foreign films that I was able to watch and be like, whoa, okay, there are good films from other countries. Platoon, I don't think that movie actually lived up to the hype that came out around it, but in that I had to watch it a few times to like really grasp what was going on like mentally, mm-hmm. but I was young. I was really young when it came the out. The Nintendo game so was, I, I was super good. hard. I was going in thinking Rambo and I got something else. I got Oliver Stone, obviously, but it doesn't make it any less good. Iron Eagle, (laughs) because that had to be on there because you just lost the refinery. (laughs) That's why. Top Gun, number two. I've always found the plot of Top Gun interesting. It's more about like the rebel and less about like the warring factions because there's like I don't know, kind of an ambiguous war going on that's not really going on. But my number one, Red Dawn. I, I that movie I loved. I thought it was so shocking. Then the, when they first opened up 
like shots on the glass and you see that one dude like hanging out the window, which is even more shocking these days. But beyond that, the whole Wolverines thing and it was always on TV. And that movie for a while was the most violent movie ever made for a little while. Oh, had, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It, it does was, have it was up and more deaths per whatever than oh. any other movie per minute or whatever. I forget how they broke it down. It was, it was the in the 80s John Wick. Yeah, so. it eventually got beat by Die Hard 2. Because, yeah, but it was that was hard too. because that was a technicality because there was airplanes crashing and they mentioned how many deaths oh. there were so it wasn't they were technically on screen deaths but it was a thing Where it was are you in getting the, these facts from, uh, that was in the Guinness Book of World Records <laughs> and wow yeah that's that's fairly official yeah so I, I got the fact from well uh, Rob and I have a friend uh, who was very much into that kind of stuff like the the Guinness Book of World Records stuff. And he was always like, I wonder if anything is going to beat that. We just saw RoboCop. Does that have more deaths? Okay. Anyway, so that was my list. Red Dawn number one. (laughs) Shut up, nerd. (laughs) Red Red Dawn's got a solid performing night so far. Um, I'm going to go with my list. And my list might be a little bit more controversial because a lot of your top picks are not on my list. All right. So we've got a little bit of variance here. Um. But I'm going to go with one that might be controversial in that it did involve some military stuff, but the main characters weren't military or anything like that. But it is one of the more referred to movies that I can think of in movie lore, and that's going to be number five board games. Oh, yes. Very narrowly. Almost almost picked that, but very good choice. So I'm going to go with war games at number five. At number four, it it actually totally bumped a movie off my list because I wanted to include Stripes. Mm. But Stripes did not make the list, and at number four, I'm going to put Top Gun. Just just a classic 80s military-style movie. I mean, it was... Yeah. So Top Gun at number four. At number three... One of the one of the more gruesome military movies that I can remember, um, and it actually, I think it actually launched the career of the drill sergeant, and that's got to be Full Metal Jacket, because he uh, was actually still a drill sergeant at that point, wasn't he? He was. He was actually Arlie Ermey was the consultant to the actor that was playing the drill sergeant, and mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick said, "You're doing this so much better than him. Can you please do it for us?" Um, and yeah, that launched his, uh, his career. Are you fucked in the head, boy? <laughs> he was so <laughs> great in that role. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, full metal jacket. Number three at number two, one that's already been mentioned. And I thought I had snuck one in, but, uh, you, moon dragon got me and that's going to be number two aliens. Nice. I love that movie. That's, that's one of my favorite space movies, but. Number one is a movie that hasn't been mentioned yet, and oh and I think it is a glorious battle movie, and that would be Glory. Oh, that is glorious. It it is a very well done Civil War movie, and if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. I I, I, I watched watch that, that one in high school, school. In civics class. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we all, I did. Sitting right behind the person that actually had the Guinness Book World Records information. <laughs> How about that? So glory is my number one. Well, are we going to fight it out? Uh, we definitely do not have time. Hell no. Uh, well, it's because you know glory's number one. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, first of all, thank you, Moon Dragon. Uh, again, oh, this is awesome. If you guys are listening, want to hear, check out a little bit of Moon Dragon's music, you will find it on uh, Give Me Five Podcast and we will have links to his stuff. Buy his music, stream his music, love his music, and wear Ray-Ban aviators while listening to his music. You guys, uh, you, you you gentlemen have excellent taste from this top five. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I think he just gave you a new tagline. Buy it, stream it, love it. Well, cool. No, that was awesome. Well, guys, thanks for listening. And if you want to chime in, feel free to find us on Facebook by searching for the Gimme 5 Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, Gimme 5 Pod. Gimme 5 Podcast at gmail.com is how you email us to say mean things about Rob. And, of course, <laughs> like us, follow us, review us, all that stuff on your favorite podcast provider. Check out our store, gimme5podcast.threadless.com. Next week, I think we are going to watch The Boys, or at least talk about The Boys a little bit. That is a mm-hmm. show on uh, Amazon Prime, so feel free to get ahead of things there. Um, and I'm looking forward to that one. You said you saw the first episode and it was great. I've watched four episodes. I watched episode one, two, three, and for some reason seven because it played episode seven after episode one and I didn't realize it. But nice. it's interesting. That's it's an easy and it's a fun show and it's really easy to follow to the point of where the episode seven being played early on didn't confuse me at all. But I really enjoyed it. So kind of fill that blank tonight. And uh, I believe our '80s movie. I think I get the pick. And I think I'm going to go with the first movie I ever saw when moving to Florida in the summer, and that is Summer School, starring Mark Harmon. Ooh. So starring wait, starring who? Mark Harmon. Yeah. So isn't that a Rodney? D- nope. That was Back to School. Oh. <laughs> S- summer School is uh, is uh, the isn't that a John the Candy? Sla- movie? The slacker teacher that doesn't that is more excited about summer than teaching the year, and he ends up get, having to teach a summer school class. Isn't and, that a John Candy movie? Also, no. That's Uncle Buck. <laughs> Summer rental. Uh, summer rental. Yes. Saw that in theater too. But anyway, um, so check out summer school and uh, that's about it. Right on. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. It's the final <laughs> and now a taste of the title track from Moon Dragon's album, Oceana. This is Oceana.
somebody to rub cream on it. We talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, music, theme parks, and since we live in Florida, the occasional story about any – there's nothing there. <laughs> You're supposed to figure something. I, hang on. All right, let me do that again. So glory is my number one.